episode 18 with David Dean. Tried pinning him down for for a couple weeks. He's a busy guy. It's not easy to do. The busy, busy guy. So, uh, let's see. We were talking a little bit um, before the show about a couple things you got going on. Um, pretty involved in Newcastle around here, and uh, you have your own little island. I do. <laughs> you have your own little island over on uh, East Washington, and uh, what do you what are you doing over there? Well, there's my office where I spend like sixty to a hundred hours of my week, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the church where. I mean, Third Presbyterian, my grandfather's grandfather was a charter member of that church. So, like, my DNA has existed there longer than I've existed. And um, when they merged with Northminster, not only did I not want to lose my office space, but I wasn't going to let anybody else have that building for any other purpose. And I'd already been running a Bible study, so our group decided to incorporate into a new congregation. We're um, now a more light Presbyterian church. We're the only independent congregation that belongs to more light otherwise the rest of them are all in pcusa um we aren't opposed to being part of pcusa but i don't think the shenango presbytery loves us right now um they probably should there's just a lot of more conservative congregations in this presbytery um and then the church also provides office spaces for some of the nonprofit initiatives that i've been working on um the main big foundation I named the David Dean Foundation due in part to a lack of creativity due in part to an element of vanity where I'm just like if the Trumps and the Clintons can have one so can I um, <laughs> and then out of that I've branded uh, Rust Belt Revitalization that's the part that focuses the most on economic development entrepreneurial incubation we had been doing some comedy night fundraisers and things were going really well with that. And then the pandemic started and now I feel like, I don't know, everything's just like frozen in time and it's like, oh, well, I guess we're gonna find out what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I wish I got to go to a couple comedy nights. I didn't have any babysitters. How did they all go? Who was, who was some of the stand-ups that, that uh, would uh, get up on stage? Well, there's me every time. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we've had a couple people who like have volunteered with the foundation that have done it off and on. Um, a guy I know from Westminster was a pretty consistent comic. Actually, a couple guys from Westminster were both pretty consistently doing it. Um, AJ Bove, I should readily know his like uh instagram username and stuff to direct people to him but he's out there doing <laughs> stuff. but he was pretty consistently uh doing stand-up with us <laughs> yeah um so you do stand up then yes i do have you been doing it for like a long time when i was in college there was a uh one in sororities did a philanthropy fundraiser that was called stand up standoff um inadvertently I became the reason that it had rules now <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you know I did that and then I had done just some like open mic nights in Pittsburgh and I liked it I definitely have a unique 
usually highly inappropriate sense of humor, but <laughs> I don't know. In Pittsburgh, when I could get a blue collar crowd to laugh at a Maya Angelou joke, I'll just take that as a win. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. That before COVID hit, that is something I was looking into, like starting. I, there was a well, I know I messaged. It was probably you who answered uh, the. I think it was the Rust Belt revitalization about the comedy thing about if they would do classes or anything. Because I was looking at uh, there was a place in Youngstown that does that, and I was going to start trying to do that because of the stupid videos I make. So I was like, I kind of want to do stand up. I want to see what it's about. So, is there anything like that going to happen once time begins to move forward again? I mean, it's something we could look into. I um, I mean, there's a couple. I really don't know how anybody teaches that maybe i should take a class myself and look into it um that's what i was kind of wondering i'm like how do you teach whatever like the i mean there's little bits of like psychology to it like incongruity can be something that causes like the humor response in the brain um something to be aware of i think probably a lot of what taught is taught is more or less stage presence or timing making people like not nervous on stage where because that can cause people to either go like too fast or too slow and it's like no just like chill out balance your pace and that just helps everything move but um i guess i mean i don't know maybe segues but not everybody uses segues in their material and some people don't use them successfully so yeah i was thinking because like i know i've looked up some stuff because i obviously couldn't go and something about like joke structure and stuff and i'm like is that even a thing? Like, is there like some structure to jokes or whatever? Because like a lot of times I just ramble on and it tends to be funny or not. You know, sometimes it's a bust, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely a, a way you can build up to your punchline and set it up and then you add the right timing in there. And it's all, it's all, it's psychological, the whole thing really. But I don't think you want to lean into that too much either because then it becomes robotic, you yeah. know? So you have to kind of find a balance. I think it's a lot of trial and error. I yeah. mean, even a lot of people who become famous start by doing like open mic nights and stuff and just kind of figuring out what works for yeah. them. And I think, you know, sometimes people just kind of have their own style or formula and if it works, just use it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody gets uh, booed off stage pretty much their first time were you booed off stage your first time i was not booed off stage my first time in fact i'll tell that story the reason that that competition came to have rules which i in fact checked first as i asked the person <laughs> in charge of it i was like are there any rules i should be aware of and she was just like no nope, not really and so i was like all Fair right game. and what it kind of came down to is one of my friends made a bet with me where they were like I bet you won't shake red sequin nipple tassels at the campus <laughs> obviously I did um, <laughs> the way I built up to that is I had them on like under my shirt and I had like a jacket over my shirt so most of my shirt was already unbuttoned but you couldn't readily tell that so just as I was leading up to that at the end I just had to fiddle with like one or two buttons to get those done and then one button on the jacket and I was tassels out for the whole time. <laughs> 
And, you know, some people found that, like, literally, like, out of their chair rolling in the aisle hilarious. I would have. The only other reaction was, like, this dead stare of, like, shock. And um, no booing, though, so. I would have done that, though. That's something I would do. So, like, I guess that's, you know. I get some looks around town. So have you ever been booed offstage? Have you ever had a bust? Um... No, not for a whole show. I mean, there's sometimes... Joke mix misses the mark? Or... Yeah. Um, I think a little bit of it is, like, knowing your audience helps. So, like, obviously at Westminster, I knew everybody there. That was easier to do in that way. Um, I think I probably observed some of the open mic nights in Pittsburgh first so I was getting an idea of like who what are the comics like what are the audiences like um and I don't know I guess I'm pretty good at working with things in the moment because for example um the Smiling Moose used to have a pretty consistent one that I like to go to and there was one time that I'd gotten a drink before it was my set and like I don't know, my glass must have had, like, a hairline crack in it or something, because I literally just set, like, I wasn't, like, slamming it on the bar, I just, like, set it on the bar, but the glass just, like, split in half, (laughs) and so then I had this drink spilled all over the front of me, and then they, like, called my name next, so I was just like, well, and I went up on stage, and I was just like, sometimes when I'm nervous, I pee a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Should just said you got real mad, and... (laughs) Man, I had no idea that you did uh, all the stand-up before. I didn't know you were one of the ones actually performing. Yep. Well, I'm ready for it to come back because I want to. I want to come watch. I've been I'm... thinking about trying to find either, um, like, an outside venue to do it at. Like, I don't know what the rules are for Riverwalk Park if it's like most parks where it's like closed at sundown or if the city would make an exception or or if I should even be saying the things that I say on stage in a public space outdoors (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know sometimes I say and do things I'm like "Mm, that might come back later on but I give people fair warning. I'm always like, we're starting and it's the basement of the church. I'm like, we might be in the basement of the church, but (laughs) down here things get a little (laughs) unholy. It happens. Look at like uh, Bob Saget compared to his stand up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, wow, night and day. Like, what a family guy on Full House, you know? And then then you get him on his stand up and you're like, whoa. I got a little dark. A little. I have a tendency to get dark sometimes. Anthony has to put up with it a lot. No, I don't think so. I don't know, man. I climbed up on your table in, like, a bondage mask. It's not it? dark. Well, I guess not. You have to put you up with me, You gotta get pretty dark for me to find it dark. <laughs> That's fair. You get lost on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's dark enough. Oh, man. So, uh, you're also talking... I'm, like, really interested in what you were talking about with, like, the insurance and stuff. If you want to talk about that. So, another part of um, 
my foundation's mission is to try to connect people with healthcare when they don't have access to overcome barriers to it. And since the Affordable Care Act, theoretically everybody can get some type of insurance coverage. Um, you know, with the expansion of Medicaid in most states, most people who lack resources are able to be enrolled in Medicaid. The problem is that even though um, let's say somebody makes enough money that they're not going to qualify for Medicaid, they could go on healthcare.gov, get a marketplace plan, or maybe if their employer offers one, they'd have that. But a lot of these plans are becoming higher and higher deductible. So it's not unthinkable to have um, like a $10,000 deductible plan. I mean, even just a few years ago when the ACA was going into effect, there were high deductible plans, um, but they were like dirt cheap and um, you know you had affordable options that weren't so high deductible now it's like pretty standard that you're gonna have thousands of dollars in deductible before your insurance pays for anything so you know that can mean that like maybe you really need a procedure but if you have to get any type of testing done pre-op or whatever um, unless you have that money right now to pay for those services you're not getting any health care yeah yeah, it's, it almost defeats the purpose of having it because I'm not trying to pay insurance deductible or for my insurance every month and then have to go to the hospital, something happened, and I'm coming like $8,000 out of pocket because it hasn't hit that space yet or whatever. In fact, I mean, even more so than being a healthcare provider in my day job. Um, <laughs> I think I learned the most about healthcare pricing and insurance pricing probably <coughs> circa 20, 10, 11, 12. Uh, I don't remember which year, but it was a phase in which I had aged out of being on my dad's insurance, but the Affordable Care Act wasn't fully in place yet. So I wasn't able to get a marketplace plan. Um, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, and of course I have a number of pre-existing conditions. No health insurer wants me to be insured <laughs> by them. Um, but uh, yeah, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield started offering these plans that were um, the minimum level of care that was about to be required by the Affordable Care Act. And so they kind of, it was almost like experimental. They were voluntarily like, oh, here's like the minimum basic coverage that will go into effect next year. But those plans were, first of all, I think at least five or $600 a month, um, twice as much as any of their other individual plans. And if you were on one of them, they had this like exclusion that they weren't required to cover anything related to your pre-ex for the first year. And it's kind of like, what is the point of this? I'm going to pay five or $600 a month for a plan that's not going to pay for any of the care <laughs> I need. And then next year when, you know, I'd be out of this waiver period for the pre-ex stuff, the, you know, marketplace will be open and I can probably get a much better plan, which I in fact did. So I spent a year with having no insurance myself. Um, and fortunately, you know, my doctors all worked with me. Um, like I think only one of my prescriptions was switched from a more expensive one to a less expensive one. Um, so it wasn't the worst thing. It could have been much worse if I needed like emergency care or something yeah. that year. Like you know that could have been real bad. But um, 
I made it through that year, but also found like a lot of stuff that just doesn't even make sense in terms of uh, how things are priced. Um, for example, I know that like going to a chiropractor, I think I was paying like a $40 copay previously with like a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan and like the out of pocket was only like $50. So it's like, why <laughs> why is there this monthly premium charge when it's yeah. only covering ten dollars of my bill yeah that's ridiculous yeah. and what and all that was that pre-affordable care act it was the the law or had like been right passed but not all provisions of it were in effect yet so they're kind of like phased in and i was just in the mix of this phasing in so because like i don't really know too much about insurance or even necessarily too much about the affordable care act good is it it's better now but still kind of not good oh, everything's terrible <laughs> yeah okay um i mean the, as usual the biggest problem with the healthcare industry in this country is that we're, we've politicized it yeah and so we can't have anything where we just say this is good or bad based on facts and evidence or logic and common sense it's that we have kind of almost ascribed various aspects of it to political parties and so then that's the only basis upon which we make any decisions um yes the affordable care act well the affordable care act is what some people call obamacare yeah and, and i love some of the interviews they'll do with people where they'll be like obamacare is evil and we have to repeal it and they'll be like <laughs> Well, where do you get your insurance? And they'll be like, healthcare.gov from the Affordable Care Act. And it's like, yeah, that's the same thing. Or when people think Obama's last name is Care. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the, the big change was that the Affordable Care Act basically made it illegal for insurances to deny people for a pre existing condition. Um, and I guess. Health insurance fundamentally is still based on the same legal theory and contract law as any other insurance, which means that it's based on indemnity. Um, that's actually a big issue with psychology and healthcare because insurance only takes you back to baseline. It won't make you better than that. That's why like cosmetic surgery has never been covered by insurance because it's like, well, this isn't broken. You just want to make it better. And um, so there's all these areas of like growth psychology that will never be covered by insurance because we're only going to treat you if there's something wrong. Um, and in the same way, you know, if you've gotten into a bunch of car accidents, your insurance can drop you. Other insurers may be like, nope, we're not gonna take you. You draw too much off the insurance pool. Yeah. And all insurance is based on the pool. The idea is if you have 10 people going into an insurance company for car insurance, and paying a premium well they're going to be screwed if all of you have a car accident yeah. that year but if it's only like one person and there's enough in the pool to cover it and everybody's still covered for the long run um with health insurance we do need people who have less utilization in the system in there and it's still beneficial to them because if they do like fall and break their leg and they don't you know if they're not stuck with a ten thousand dollar emergency room bill that's going to haunt them but you know it makes it more affordable for everyone um the affordable care act so they made it illegal to deny people with pre-existing conditions which otherwise is a smart business move for insurance companies to get the high utilization people out of the pool but then that means you're taking in these more expensive yeah. users of the insurance pool and 
So that's why the individual mandate was there to sort of coerce everybody to be in. It's one of the reasons that in a practical sense, like a single payer system would work because everybody's already part of the pool automatically. And so you have a very robust pool that could dramatically lower costs. On the other hand, when you look at our government payers, Medicare, Medicaid, they can sometimes be hard to work with and sometimes (laughs) non-flexible with things. So like that also scares me where I'm like, I don't know if that's the best answer. Yeah. Um, But uh, with allowing people with pre-existing, because before the only way a person with a pre-existing condition could ever get health insurance was through like a group employer plan. Mm -hmm. So it would either trap people in jobs or if you were in some limbo where you couldn't like work full time but couldn't qualify for disability, you were just left with nothing Nothing. ever. And um, yeah, so in that way it was good, but it also, not enough people were even, a lot of people were like, well, I'll just pay the penalty for the individual mandate. I'm not going to have insurance. And then of course the government just played games with a lot of other areas of it. And it was never really fully implemented. It never really worked the way it was designed. And ironically, even though we've come to call it Obamacare, it's modeled off of what Mitt Romney did with Massachusetts's state system. And he actually wrote a lot of that plan (laughs) for it. So yeah, so we politicized it one way, even though it is very much a bipartisan thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I never knew that. That is, and so what you're trying to do is basically fill in some of the fill gaps. Fill in the gap that's been left by that, yeah. At least around here, anyway. Yeah. Try to help out the you denizens of Newcastle. <laughs> 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 oh man, I don't have insurance, so I just like to wing it. And ho- <coughs> hopefully, you know. Hopefully, I'm okay. Do you have insurance, Anthony? Uh, yeah. When's the last time you went and got checked out for anything? Years. I, I rarely go to anywhere, like the hospital or or the doctor. I have I this. Probably should, but I have this irrational fear. We're like, what if there is something wrong with me? And like, then I know about it, and yeah. then and then it affects me. What like if I don't know about it, maybe it just won't affect me. Yeah. Um. Yeah trying to think when the last time I was to the doctor I was just getting yelled at like, you're 32 you should go get checked I'm like yeah maybe I'm just one of, I'm not someone who isn't who's, who's scared to find out that there's something wrong with me it's just that you just don't feel like going to the doctor yeah, oh, well, <laughs> nothing nothing is ever severe enough to where I'm like oh man I should probably go to the doctor and see what's wrong here that's how I feel too but I'm I I understand that you know regular checkups are obviously good I should probably get to the doctor (laughs) I just had my annual checkup with my PCP she asked me if I'd ever had a colonoscopy, so I thought that was coming. So I was like, no, I haven't. But <laughs> she didn't also say that I needed one, so I guess we're still good for this year. I have yeah. I have had. That might have been the last time I really went was to get, get a colonoscopy, make sure my digestive system was good. I thought I might have had celiac disease. Um, 
I do, in fact, have that. Something, <laughs> something related to that, and it just ended up being regular IBS. Thank God. But there's like a history in my family, of colon cancer. And... Is IBS better than celiac? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say celiac. Just from what I've heard and understand about it, it sounds like it's just like a way more severe version of IBS with like bleeding and I mean as long as I don't eat gluten everything's yeah. fine yeah oh really See, gluten doesn't gluten? bother me too much Oof. unless it's pasta for some reason that really screws with me I don't know why man I but eat like a piece of trash I eat, I eat bread <laughs> like literally so much bread I tried to give up bread a couple months ago and it's just I was doing good for a few days and it's just not happening. Isn't, I can't imagine. Isn't gluten in like most things? Yeah. It's in a lot of stuff. It's the yeah. protein in wheat and rye and barley. So that's got to be like hard to avoid. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more because coincidentally, my husband also has celiacs, but he knew years before I did. It was like the week of my like 31st birthday that that was the universe's birthday gift to me. <laughs> I would never again eat gluten. Um, <laughs> and so, because I know he said like when he first started the diet that like, it's like, oh, I'm going to get some rice cakes and I don't know what else I'm allowed to eat. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of stuff. And now there's much more of a market for it. But um, in fact, that new bakery at the plaza, that Grammy's Bake Shop, they do a lot of gluten-free stuff. They have actually one of the best gluten-free breads I've ever had. It's like $10 a loaf, but I also missed bread, so I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what new bakery? I haven't seen it. What's it called? Grammy's Bake Shop. What, what I think, actually, I think it's Grammy's Bake Shop and more. <laughs> what, uh, what plaza did you say it was in? Lawrence Village. Oh. We can't even call it the Kmart Plaza anymore. So, yeah. like, I don't know, yeah, the big empty plaza. Wow. I hope <laughs> the they make it there. Is this. my concern. That plaza. I mean, what is left is mostly like local businesses, like yeah. not big chains and stuff. Which, which, going back to Rust Belt revitalization, I think is what would thrive and help revitalize the economy around here. But, um. I don't know, the powers that be seem to be really focused on, you know, either that manufacturing is going to come back and save us. No, no. Because even if we were recruiting more manufacturers, so much yeah. of it's automated, it will never again employ yeah. the volume of people yeah. it did. You have 3D printing emerging now, and that's just going to completely kill, kill manufacturing it's off. It's everything. Completely. It's change a lot within the next 20 years <clears throat> so you bring all these factories in and for what for how long it's just a temporary thing at this point or we'll do anything including break our own laws to bring in like a speedway because we think like <laughs> for some reason that big chains don't exist to like exploit people in communities yeah I want to write a letter to like Dollar General corporate now because <laughs> like I live in Shenango and right now the closest Dollar General to me would be the one that's just up past the big empty plaza. Okay. And but now they're building one almost equidistant in the other direction right across from the sheets in Shenango and it's like well oh, now I have choice paralysis. Which one should I I don't know which way to turn <laughs> when I leave my house. You have that one right up by TikTok. 
which that the was like road. the new one like, yeah to the point that one time one of my patients was like have you been to the new dollar general and i was like no because i would have to pass a dollar general <laughs> to get to it. have you heard about the seven dollar generals going in at the mall Although I feel like so much of reality is just not that far off from satire anymore. <laughs> that it's, yes. like... <laughs> real, it's really true. Every time I turn around, there's a new Dollar General. It's like kind of terrifying. That's what I said. That's our, our big economy boost in Newcastle is just unlimited Dollar Generals. Yeah. My They're idea it. <laughs> to get ahead of the curve, and I guess I'll just throw this out because I don't have time to implement it. So somebody please steal it. Is... <laughs> What do you think the best thing to do with an empty dollar general is going to be 10 to 20 years from now? Because that's the next wave of, like, economic waste we'll have to deal with. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know. I'm sure we could think of some things. Some fun things to do with a giant empty store. I don't know. Most of my ideas are, like, stupid fun ideas. I just want to, like, race tricycles and and, uh, have James Bond tournaments. (laughs) The escape room economy. They're all just escape rooms. <laughs> escape room economy. Those are going to be the only viable businesses left in 20 years. Escape Brick rooms. Brick and mortar. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. I get a little worried. Like, I hate seeing Orange Village Plaza like that because, you know, I grew up walking up to On Cue after school. Oh, and, like... Going to Joanne Fabrics with purple my grandma. Cow. Do you purple yeah. cow? <laughs> yes. Do you want to write some VHS yes. tapes? <laughs> like, yes. So, like, you know, like, it was always just filled with stuff. And, like, seeing it now is, like, so depressing sometimes. I'm like, everything's closed down. Almost nothing can survive there except Pizza Joe's. Pizza Joe's is just gonna never go away. They'll be the only thing left in there. Like that, that, we should have known this in the sixties and seventies, but we didn't, and we haven't learned either. Though is that strip mall model as real estate investment is yeah. meant to be predatory. Yeah, the initial investor comes in, they get you know all these businesses in that pay like a lot of rent. They neglect their property, yeah. and then as soon as they've turned their profit on what they want from that, then they so. sell it off, neglected. So now it's somebody else's problem, and almost always they just decay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So what do you think is going to happen to it? They're going to mow it all down eventually? Uh, um, I can only guess. I mean, I hope... It's one of my least favorite parking lots to drive yeah. through. I'll say that. I hope something happens, but... um, The other side's nice, though. Like, uh, the first merit side. They paid. They paved it all. It's Huntington. Or yeah, Huntington. Um, You know they got it all paved up. Even though I barely see any cars over there for what is over there. I don't know. Do you remember the people from our high school that used to just like hang out there? Yeah, it was probably one of them. Park their cars. Oh no, I was not one of them. (laughs) Yeah, people would like they park their cars. Yeah, they would like lawn chairs. They were just like hanging out. Yeah. We would drive through there, mess with them sometimes. They would do like do like donuts and stuff in the yeah. parking lot all the time. 
They'd have all their cool cars with their spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who it was. Someone in Newcastle, when we were in high school, had like a a Dodge Neon with like the fake spinners on. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my. Oh, I can't think who that was either. Kids these days will just never know what it was to ride in style in the early 2000s. Dodge Neons were the were the car of that generation. I feel like almost everybody had a Neon. A Neon, a Sunfire, or yeah, a Cavalier. S- <laughs> yes, yes. I remember driving Amy Crespo's Cavalier everywhere. <laughs> I almost wrecked it once because I didn't have my license. I didn't know what I was doing the first time, and I had I was like using both feet, <laughs> and I almost wrecked into uh, Auto Zone on the East Side. She was yelling at me. <sighs> wow. Speaking of high school, random memory that I had, and I thought about this oh, earlier, and I remembered it again just now. One time, Andy Tamelio called me down to his office because the boys' restroom smelled like cigarette smoke, and there were only two people he had on camera going in and out that period. Was I one was of them? Me and you. <laughs> Which, given who we were in high school, I just looked at him and I was like, who do you think it was? <laughs> but then, and like literally, it was me. He called me down there to like pat me down to find cigarettes, and so it's just like, you want to fill me up? Go ahead. I, you know what? I probably he probably didn't call me to the office because I didn't go that day because I never went, <laughs> and if I did, I was probably smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, you know which bathroom was it though? I had to move. I had to, I would start just doing it in the locker room because I would get away with it easier. <laughs> Turn the showers on, try and mask it. That didn't work, but I thought it did at the time. <laughs> yeah, he knew it was me. I hit Jimmy with a lunch tray and they tackled me. Him and Mister Mister Bell. <laughs> Mister Bell scooped me up. They're both big. He was just like whoop. I was running across a lunch table. <laughs> wow. I was uh, a mess was in school. The student council thorn in his side, so he probably just wanted a reason to like uh, So he didn't like us for me. opposite reasons. <laughs> 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 I was the bad kid in school, I admit it. It's okay. I'm pretty okay now though. I try to be anyway. You know, we turned out fine as adults. <laughs> yeah, you know, somebody messaged me the other day, and uh, they were like, "You know, I didn't realize you were so funny in high school." I was like, "Yeah, well, I was an asshole in high school, so you know, there was that. If I was even there that day, so yikes." I, was, I didn't particularly like going to school either. It was also because at that time I had like an undiagnosed autoimmune disorder. Um, but I think junior senior year, I missed like twenty days each time, and that's supposed to, that's like in the like you're not going to graduate statistics, even though I was like an honor grad and <laughs> for college and grad school. So <laughs> I think one of my uh, biggest problems early on was I was always like real gung ho in the beginning, but then like I would get real bored. Cause like I'd be good, 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 and I would get good grades, and then like I don't know, a lot of things seemed real repetitive sometimes, and like I would just be like, 
and then I just wouldn't want to go. So, and I wanted to go party. There was there was that too, but you know, like after everything, like whenever I went back to schools, whenever I realized it, because um, I loved going to school and I loved learning. And I'm like, why was it so different back then? And I feel like I was just like really bored and also maybe a little bit of tension deficit disorder type thing. And just like nobody really, you know, paid any attention to that. What were you like in school? I was pretty similar. Probably not quite as bad, but I was, I picked and choose what I wanted to be good at, you know? Like if something, like something bored me I just couldn't get into it I couldn't pay attention like you said it was almost like ADD um but if I was if it interested me or math I love math and I could I did phenomenal um it wasn't until high school I was a straight A student until you know until I got to high school (laughs) and uh I don't know I just it was hard sometimes the subjects, the, the the subject matter, the the courses, the you know the curriculum, that was never really challenging to me. It was it was boring. Getting myself to care about it that yeah. was challenging. Yeah, especially like you said, um, like my priorities also weren't straight at the time, so it was real easy to get distracted and not take it seriously, and then you get yourself in that hole where you're all behind on your grades and things are kind of spiraling. And it's like, well, what's the point anymore? I screwed it all up. I'm never getting into college anyway. So this is it. I'm honestly kind of glad in it and just like, which was stupid because I feel like I don't want to be straddled. And like you said, there's no, I had maybe two or three teachers my entire life who cared enough to try and like, come on, man, you can do so much better than this. What are you doing? Yeah. And not that I listen to them anyway, but for the most part, it's just so many teachers just Mr. Dorsch tried. Or even picked me. up on it. Mr. Dorsch was, I loved Mr. Dorsch. He was always, like, so nice to me. But, yeah, um, I could have I done high school a lot better. I wasn't smoking cigarettes in the bathroom or anything, but at least go outside for that. Uh, I would but, just walk out. Dude. I would I would get tired. I'm like, I don't think I want to be here anymore. And I would go through the locker room and out that side door and walk through the practice field and just walk home. Just like, all right, well, it's third period. I think I'm going to take off. Like, we had just gone to the new high school and uh, like the doors they didn't open from the outside so i would stick a pencil in there and go outside and smoke and then come i would just leave and come back and do what i like i didn't like i own the place like i like just I didn't care place. it was bad what was the woodshop teacher's name i forget is it Miklos? yeah i think it was Paul mr Miklos. Miklos. Yep. he caught us outside of uh out right outside of the woodshop uh, doors smoking a cigarette and he was like he popped out he's like what are you doing I was like smoking and I'm just waiting to get in trouble he was like he's like hurry up <laughs> hurry up and finish it and he let me come back inside I was like alright Mr. Mikolos 
he used to let Myron Chapel chew Longhorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that either. And the thing is, public education is so much worse now. Yeah. Like, what would we do if we were there? Like, when I have patients who are in high school that are, like, forced to take an SAT class, mm. that's, like, literally you're spending an entire class period learning nothing. You're learning strategy for yeah. a multiple-choice test. <laughs> and, and the whole thing is, like, they, like, force them to fill out college applications even when they have students that are, like, I'm going to trade school. And it's, like, wow. What a waste of everyone's, and that's the yeah. type of thing that, like, I probably like. If I had to go back to school right now, I'd probably give up and just behave exactly like you. <laughs> Smoke cigarettes in the, in the in the bathrooms. Yeah, don't do that. If you're still in school, please don't do that. <laughs> um, Chloe's really good in school. Bree's really good in school. Um, Bree's. She's still getting, you know, started. So, like, I feel like most kids are pretty gung-ho about school in the early years. Chloe, you know, she's getting a little bit older. She's only, like, a year or two away from Newcastle High School. But she, you know, she wants, she's upset that they're not going back because of COVID. I told her to pipe down. Um, so, like, I'm pretty grateful for that. I hope that she doesn't, you know. Do what I did. Smoke cigarettes in the She's so anti smoking. She don't even swear. I swear a lot. And she's like if she sees somebody kissing on TV, she's like ah. I'm like, wow, they're just kissing. It's okay, baby. Like watching Riverdale and she's like, ah No, they just kissed Archie. I'm like, jeez. So and uh Yeah. You know, she's kind of like the complete opposite of me right now. She's super involved with softball, all that. Bree's gonna be the wild card. She's gonna be the wild card. We'll see. She's she's a lot how like I am. She's gonna do what she's gonna do, and she marches to the beat of her own drum. I'm like, all right, but she gets good grades now, so we'll see what happens. Ugh, I get so nervous. Having kids makes me nervous. How's how's Landon do? He's good. Yeah. 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 He he doesn't really enjoy school at all, but he goes and he does what he needs to do. And... Yeah. Yeah. I guess Chloe. I don't know. She goes back and she, she doesn't always want to go, but yeah. I I think that's just kind of normal though. Bree, she just wants to go play. She's like, what, other kids? Yes. Like, <laughs> especially now, after this long of, you know, kind of not being able to see people as much as they used to and stuff. Puts a damper <coughs> on, like, everything. <clears throat> All right. Well, any, uh, any announcements or anything, Anthony? Um... Nope, not this week. Why do you never have announcements? I, I, I'm, I'm exciting. I'm sorry. I feel like you should have more announcements. Uh, the I crown, like you, the I crown feel, yeah, has its, it has its own Facebook page now. I feel like you do a lot of stuff and you don't announce it. So. I well, there's nothing to announce yet. I do do a lot of stuff, but. 
No need for an announcement yet. <laughs> it's not time for the big reveal. All right, all right. I get excited, you know. I get excited with things you tell me sometimes. I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to be one of those people that I got. I got some big things coming here, and then they change, and you can't. You can't do that. I know some people I got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Robotnik. <laughs> all right all right so anthony's announcement is the crown has a facebook page yay Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so are you not going to post uh the things from majesty anymore then probably cross post them, cross pollinate them yeah all right all right well go follow that because they're hilarious and we can learn how the city of Newcastle works. Clean up uh, all that marinara with breadsticks and <laughs> prepare for our seven new Dollar Generals. And... <laughs> How long does it take to write those? That's the worst part of it. Yeah. It's easy to come up with the headline. The Photoshop takes a minute, but it's usually fun. I enjoy doing that. But the writing the article, ugh need some new uh, contributors yeah well, I know a couple people said they wanted well, the, to write and stuff yeah well the, my thing is I'll start writing it and I'll get like three paragraphs in and I'm like f- kind of fact checking some of the things I'm writing and okay this needs a good structure and you know trying to write it the right way and then I'm like what am I doing this is a joke <laughs> it's like okay that's enough uh, you're getting like real invested in yeah, it. You're actually yeah. doing some journalism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about submitting, but I haven't oh, said that sh- out loud until yeah. just now because I'll never have time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even just the headline, I'll write the I'll write the article, the, the article that nobody <laughs> even reads anyway. But I do. I like to read them. I I have a question before we end. Are you looking up actual people's names? It depends. If they're a public <laughs> figure, I'll use their real name. But if it's for some of them, they're just made up. Okay, so like, like, like for the Dollar Generals and stuff, that was a fake name. Or did you actually like look up remember. like the CEO of Dollar General? Oh <laughs> and, no, yeah, no, that was that was a made up. Name. Okay, yeah. I was like, wow. I hope he's using their real names because that'd be so funny. Only, only if they're a public figure. Trying to keep it safe here. All right. All right. Well, gonna wrap it up. Thank you, David, for coming on and hanging out with us and telling us some things you got going on for the beautiful city of Newcastle. Anytime. Hopefully, I'll make it back. Yeah. Yeah. We. we yeah, that would be cool. Definitely. There's. Our, I already want to have uh, Tim Pasta back on. He's itching to get back on. He is. He, he he scheduled himself Did he? to be on <laughs> Did he? on on the thirteenth. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? He talked to me about being what do you say the booking, booking agent. agent. Yeah. But then he didn't say too much more about it. So, hopefully, next week's guest it might be a a, a teacher who does uh, the cyber school during this. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah, that'd be her cool. name's Mora. So she kind of seems like a degenerate a little bit, but that's okay. She'll fit in. All right. Well, see you guys.
See everybody later.